As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Tampering. Uh-huh. uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with the tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. I'm Sam Amick, NBA national writer at The Athletic, here with Fred Katz out east, Anthony Slater out west. Gentlemen, uh, there are certain times of the year that end up being busier than others. And while we anticipated going into the latest episode of Tampering and, and planned on talking all things play-in tournament, which we still are, all things playoffs, which we still are, uh, we're going to start today's show with some of the chaos that always comes with this time of year, because even with the play-in, you know, which involves uh, an invite to the vast majority of the NBA to have its season prolonged, there are still a fair number of teams that are done. And that means, inevitably, that we have coaching changes and we have news and headlines. So today, uh, I had a hell of a morning, guys. I'll be honest with you. It was as remote mornings go, because I'm at my house. Um, you know, it, it started early after a night when, you know, the Frank Vogel news of him being fired by the Lakers was broken by ESPN just as Frank was addressing the media. That was awkward. I think unprofessional. We'll get into that uh, in terms of Frank and the way he was handled on the way out. The Lakers following morning still don't announce the choice, still don't tell Frank about his choice. And for the record, um, can share that, I mean, while LeBron James was addressing the media at 9.05 a.m. Pacific time and uh, and doing a fine job of breaking it all down. The coaching staff had still not been told about its future uh, at that time. And then eventually, I think roughly an hour later, 
they announce that Frank is out. We're going to get into that. And then as an aside on the coaching front, Sean Sharani and I had reported that Alvin Gentry was told by the Kings that he was not going to be back for next season. That was expected, but part of the uh, kind of the uh, the bookkeeping that comes with this time of year. So that's a lot to throw at you, gents, but how the heck are we doing this morning? Good. This is, uh, I believe it's called like Black Monday in NFL circles, right? There's always a you know, seven head coaches or something like that that get fired. It's it's a little bit more staggered in the NBA because only ten teams now don't make the playoffs, right? Um, but you know, it's look the two coaches who are who don't have a job on Monday are, are the ones that are the most disappointing, at least out West. I mean, I guess Thibodeau would have been the other one that we were maybe monitoring today. I don't know if Alvin himself is that disappointing. He's just... He's the situation... The well, ship. Vogel yeah. himself is not really that disappointing, right? It's more the situation. The Kings yeah. and Lakers yeah. went for it and didn't even make the play-in. And yeah. same with the Kings, or the yeah. Knicks. So, uh, you know, it's, it is it isn't a surprise, but yeah, two of the ten are gone. The, the, remember the teams we talked about last week? All the ten? These were the two most disappointing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just waiting for Black Monday for beat reporters. To find out <laughs> what that, does that mean? Sam Sam Amick's out. Season's <laughs> over. Sam Fred Amico's Kent's coming has not in. Been told. Wow. Yeah. We're going there. <laughs> Fred has not been told, but I can report he is no longer the next beat writer. Uh, now I got to do this podcast, having found out that I'm out. Right. It's really uncomfortable. I'm going to break it on the pod. And I haven't been told somebody shit. Else in. <laughs> that line is going to live in infamy. I haven't, Frank Vogel, to the media, I haven't been told shit. He was finally told shit roughly 12, 13 hours later. I know it takes a long time to write the 150 words on that press release with this Vogel news that we knew was coming. Uh, let's let's kind of do the condensed version of that. Just quick thoughts on how this was handled. I, I I've had my opinion confirmed by a few people who are part of the situation. And I just, I really do think it's Frank Vogel won a championship with the Lakers. I'm fine with them choosing to fire him because they're going, they need a fresh voice, whatever. It's their choice. He's got one year left, um, but he won a championship with the Lakers and to go out with this kind of style. However, we, we can't speak to how the news got out. We don't go into that kind of territory, but regardless, even once the news got out to me, go ahead and, hit send on the statement on the release and get it out there and, and let everybody realize that, you know, that this is what has happened. Uh, I think it's unfortunate and unprofessional the way they handled it. It's extremely unfortunate. Um, and you know what, quite honestly, I, I get why everybody's saying he won a championship with them. He deserves the respect of being told face to face or at least not finding out this way or at least after it gets out to a reporter and becomes public information that just don't 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 let the guillotine hit the hit the head and just have like a blunt hit and then continually chop oh, at the head for 13 hours. Visual, <laughs> well, this is I got I got to use imagery on like, on a solely audio if game of zones were still alive. Can I have some mode of a pivot version of the take? Yeah, I, I think this is good for Frank Vogel. I think it makes him look good, right? Like the whole the entire situation. Um, yeah, well, maybe fine, on optics, going back but to it even sucks mid-season to, to now. 
It I'm, sucks to live through, though. Uh, I mean, this is, he's had a like, really bad 24 hours, probably. Even if he knew this was coming, he's had a bad 24 hours. I'm just saying, the way say, it though, went down only confirms any type of, like, he doesn't even have to go out and do interviews and, like, try to explain to yeah. people how, like, unsettling the situation was and all the mistakes people made and how unprofessional at times it was run. Because he can just be like, look, like, we can look at nine different things during the season, including look at how it ended. I'm just saying, I think Frank Vogel should be fist pumping how it happened. That's, That's fair. fair. No, it is. Wow. I, I think my focus was just on the franchise. And and so to spin it forward, um, I then choose to jump on the LeBron press conference. It's funny. I haven't really, I mean, ever since we've been back in the arena, I don't do Zoom very often. If I do, I, I kind of admittedly lurk and, and I'm a fly in the wall who doesn't ask you a question. You're a blogger. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a so blogger. Sorry. Here's a, <laughs> hold on. You have no idea how, how great and funny that is because- What are you saying, blog boy? You know, give me your opinion. Blog boy. There it is. I literally, Slater, I was sitting on my couch um, watching the presser, which is like true blog boy fashion, as opposed to the office that you can currently see me in. I had the old man glasses like this, and I was being so lazy that I, I decided as I had my hand up to talk to LeBron, I, first of all, I didn't think they'd call on me because uh, you know Zoom folks don't get a lot of questions these days. I get the call. And, but before I get the call, I have to decide, am I staying on the couch where the sunlight is flooding through the blinds and LeBron is going to think that I'm up in the clouds ascending to heaven? Or do I go to the office and show some professionalism? So I go to the office, but right as they go to me, I haven't gotten situated. So now like the laptop's in my actual lap facing up at the ceiling. And I look, you know, like somebody who just woke up uh, to LeBron's credit. He handled it in stride. And and I asked him if he had any problem with the way this was handled and just said to him, there was confusion and criticism among media and fans about the idea that the Frank's, the choice to fire Frank was handled this way. LeBron's answer was, I control what I can control. Um, you know, I, I do think you can confidently say that, that he didn't think very highly of the handling. And, and that's to me just a common sense thing, but, but it was wild. I mean, even having him, he wanted to talk early, and I get that, but that choice to talk early meant, you know, he's up there talking about a coach that, that hasn't even been fired yet. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, which I was going to say before, is that, like, I don't think it matters in this context that he won a championship. Like, yeah, it, it puts him up in a higher esteem in Lakers history because he won a title, and there are very few coaches who are still coaching who have actually won championships, but, like, it's just if you're – that's just not the way to handle the business when it gets out that somebody is getting fired tomorrow, sure, independent sure. of how many rings they have on their fingers. You know what I mean? Well, it's Fred, it also to speaks it. to, it just speaks to the, it's an extremely fair criticism of their franchise now to analyze the, you know, organizational cultural value that they put on coaches. And, and even honestly, going back to, I mean, it's, it's wild because given the previous relationship between Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss and, and the personal dynamics there, even when Phil was, was, you know, was inspiring championship parades, you know, he had his, his run-ins with Jerry Buss and the coaching component of how they see coaching in this franchise, it continues to be underwhelming. Um, that bared out when, even with the way Frank got hired, we all know he was the third option uh, behind Ty Lue and Monty Williams at that time. Uh, I don't think it has to bear out in, in quite this messy of fashion, uh, especially when he's not the one that built this roster that obviously wasn't what they were hoping for. 
And the other part is it didn't it didn't have to be this messy because of sometimes things get messy because there's contentiousness. And and at least from what I gather, I mean Frank Vogel is is quite well liked. Like yes. just around the league. I mean people on a personal level taking what you think of him as a basketball coach and I think he's a good basketball coach. But taking away what you think of him as a coach. Like people like Frank Vogel on a personal level. The first thing that you hear about Frank Vogel is what a nice guy he is. So I just, it's not like there's some sort of, you know, I, I I've covered situations where there's, where there's headbutting with the front office. Like, I don't think there was that sort of dynamic in this situation. This seemed to just be, there needs to be another basketball fit. And, and when a team underperforms to that level, there's always someone who's going to be the scapegoat or a couple people who are going to be the scapegoat scapegoat. And often it's the coach and that's what happened here, but it didn't need to be as messy as it was, especially when people were reporting with legitimate sources about the possibility of Vogel being let go at the end of the season a long time ago. I mean, this this wasn't necessarily shocking news. The Lakers had a while to be able to prepare for a situation like this. Oh, this thing was a wrap uh, quite some time ago. I wrote on March 7th, I think, and, and Bill Orham and I wrote that barring a first-round playoff victory, meaning getting to these conference semifinals, or, God forbid, a conference finals appearance, that anything shy of that, like those were kind of the only things that would force them to reassess. So he was dead man walking with, you know, in lieu of those things. So yeah, if you missed the play in, and maybe this is a perfect segue, uh, then then you're going to be out. Slater, do you have any final quick thoughts Lakers wise before we move on? Winning time was just renewed for a second season. And maybe they're just, you know, trying to create storylines for season seven or eight, or if, you know, HBO just really, you know, wants to, Keep it down the hatch. Sam didn't like that reference. All right, we'll move no, on. No, I do. I was sorry. The facial expression was I was trying to. Why am I blanking on the Lakers coach who the last episode finished with his bike accident? Why am I? I can't believe I'm forgetting. McKinney. Yeah. Thank you, Jack McKinney. Yeah, I mean that that the last episode uh, was uh, you know they they they're mastering kind of the age old art of the cliffhanger in winning time. You know, Jack McKinney has a a, a well chronicled bike accident that, that ultimately sparks the Pat Riley era. Um, but we're not quite there yet, but yeah, the show it, it is, it, you talk about inception type stuff. It, it's wild to cover these Lakers and some of these characters who are part of this HBO series while watching this series uh, that where, you know, we know a lot of the individuals involved. So it's, it's a lot to unpack there. All right, let's pivot to the play in tournament. Before we do that, uh, we are going to take a quick break. Um, to take care of a few sponsors. We'll see you on the other side and talk about the actual teams who are still alive. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
All right, gentlemen, time to talk about play-in. Play-in comes before playoff. Uh, I, we've debated the merits of the playoff play-in tournament before. Uh, I guess we let's do a quick updated, you know, reassessment of this. I, I remain a big thumbs up on play-in. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it kept a lot more teams. Fred's the hater. Fred's, Fred's the hater. The hater. I, but maybe he's not a hater anymore. You know I, what I mean? Like, I'm running out of arguments here. It didn't kill the trade deadline. It it didn't kill the race for the eight seed. It created more races. I uh, you could you, you could argue okay it juiced it. up the trade deadline, right? Maybe the Kings and oh, the Pacers yeah. don't make that trade. You could or, yeah. you yeah. you could argue that that is a thing that you you're not arguing it, but you could argue. <laughs> it. All right, so Fred's on board, Slater's on board, Sam's on board. Correct? Are we unanimous at this point? Yeah, yes. sure. I was on board from the beginning. It Last depends year, on, I, on what mood I'm in when I wake up in the morning. Sometimes I feel like right. just 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 crapping on the playing tournament. I, yeah, I mean there are people on board that shouldn't even necessarily be on board. Like the Warriors were like uh, victimized by the playing tournament last season, where they made the AC, but then you remember they lost two games and actually didn't make the playoffs despite being the eight. And you still got like Steve Kerr then being like, "This was like a great idea. Like we've got it. We should be able to win one or two if we can't, whatever." But this created really. Uh, I think it's just enough where it sounds, I don't want to say permanent because things can always change, but Adam oh, Silver's talking like, it, like yeah. it's pretty permanent. It's also pretty rich. And I don't see this with any, you know how it is. We don't root for anybody, but given the fact that LeBron was very uh, anti-playing, it's it's pretty rich that, that this particular Lakers team, you know, like the play-in gods had this massive security blanket around this Lakers team that we have you, you're not going to be totally left out of the party. And even with that, these Lakers couldn't find a way to take advantage of, of this new landscape. Well, you know, it, and it just, it added such an extra like month of drama to so many races. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like we would have stopped caring about the Lakers a month and a half ago. For sure. There was such a separation between eight and nine, but we could still watch, you know, Lakers games and, and how much did we enjoy the late night drama of those Lakers games this season when it was like, you know, hey, if they can win their what's crazy though is like the Spurs are thirty what are they finish at like thirty five thirty four and forty eight. Ooh. Ooh. No, that's it's pretty brutal. bad that that team. Has I, saw, a I promise to the listeners we're going to get off Lakers, and so yes, we're talking playing. But the Lakers thing is wild because to your point, Slater, he LeBron just said this morning that his uh, ankle injury that he was dealing with recently that he played in that game against New Orleans and he doesn't think he should have, and that he made the injury worse and he has to now stay uh, stay off of it for four to six weeks. So you had LeBron out there in playoff mode trying to, you know, to sacrifice to an extent to try to get into the plan. It didn't work, but but that is all created by the plan idea itself. So the games are breaking down as such. We record on Monday. I think we're coming out on Monday. So on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing at the Brooklyn Nets. And then uh, 9.30 Eastern, we have the Clippers playing at the Minnesota Timberwolves. We get to read John Krasinski in postseason basketball. Uh, let's go Cavs. Well, let me, I guess I'll finish breaking down the schedule. Then on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Hornets at Hawks. Game after that, Spurs at Pelicans. Um, you know, we we go from there. Um, guys, go go Cavs Nets Wait, here. Wait, Sam, should we should we explain the uh 
we should how it works first. I feel like the the seven eights in each conference play Tuesday. A winner will be the seven seed. Uh, The nine tens play Wednesday. Loser is completely out. Winner of that plays loser of seven eight, uh, and winner gets the eight seed, and that'll be Friday night. Man, this is why you guys are great co-hosts. Thank you for having me back there. Which uh, which game you want to start on? Let's let's just go in order. Cavs Nets um, is really, I guess, probably the biggest of them all because to me, it's the only the only team left in the play-in. The only team in the play-in that I believe we all believe probably is a championship contender still is Brooklyn. So. Um, so that's still your belief. Am I hearing you correctly? Contender. I mean, you know what I'm like where there's a realistic world that exists where if the Nets went to win the title, you wouldn't be completely stunned, Sam. Correct. I'd be pretty stunned. I don't know if completely stunned. Kevin, I mean, no, I haven't seen enough defensively. I, um, I mean, Kevin Durant is incredible. Uh, and obviously I got Lakers on the mind, but if you have a LeBron James playing the kind of year that he, you're having the kind of year that he did, and his team can't even get in the playoffs. Kevin Durant can only be so good. And so Kyrie's special at times, and he's doing his thing. But at this point, I think I would be stunned if the Nets won the championship. I, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be real interesting if they get out of the play-in tournament and Simmons comes back in the playoffs, which sounds possible. Uh, I, I can't think of another situation where a player of that caliber is going to be coming back after a year-long layoff with a new team playing his first games in the postseason. Yeah. Like I new, just, in, until you said new team, I was like, wait till we get to the Clippers and talk about Kawhi Leonard. But yes, I right. Well, the thing you. is, yeah, they, the new team. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have experience playing together. Like those guys, you know, that's going to be like riding a bike. They've gone back. They've played beautiful basketball together before. They've done it in years past. Simmons is a great player. I am... I... I He's so polarizing. I, I When Ben Simmons is going right, I love Ben Simmons as a player. He is maybe the most versatile defensive player in the league. He's an excellent passer. He gets out in transition. He's flawed, but the stuff he does well, he does unbelievably. And But the problem is he's a specific fit, and being able to try to figure that in during the playoffs is going to be, if it happens, really, really weird. But at the same time, I feel like his return is kind of their only hope at, at being able to make a deep playoff run just because, man, defensively, they are rough. Like, they are filled with holes. They do not have the rim protection. Uh, they they just, they are, they are really in trouble defensively. And I think Simmons is good enough defensively to where he can get them there because KD is still a, a really good defender and I think will turn it up in the postseason. But but they don't they don't have a, a ton of guys outside of like Bruce Brown and, and KD and the and the hope of Simmons. There's still a, such a fear level of Brooklyn though. And to me, the greatest example of that is that Brook or Milwaukee yesterday dodged Brooklyn. I mean, they purposely basically lost that game to Cleveland. They sat all their main guys so they wouldn't be the two seed. Um if they had won that, they would have been the two. Instead, they willingly basically took four. I believe they're four, right? Um and no, they're you three. know, no, they're they, I mean, they're three on that. Regardless, they took they, what they basically did. They accepted not having home court in the second round in a in a potential series against Boston by losing that, so they could avoid Brooklyn. And the, yeah, I mean, that three. just that to me tells you plenty. I mean, they're willing to, you know, hinder their path in the future because they just don't want the the, the looming bomb that is the Nets. Uh, even you know, regardless of what you think. 
I've seen Kevin Durant in a playoff series. I've seen Kyrie in a, in high level, high stakes playoff series. It's it, you you still don't want that in the first round, and that's why when we're talking play in, they're the most because they could also lose two games and then boom, suddenly they're out. That's that's why I was kind of bringing them up. You know yeah, what I found so I interesting be- about that too. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, you know what I found so interesting about that as well is Milwaukee of all teams was doing it because last year, two years ago in the bubble, we see Miami oust Milwaukee unexpectedly early in the playoffs, and then last year Miami ends up getting Milwaukee in the first round because Milwaukee just did not care. They they wanted to face Miami. They wanted to face their demons. Last year, Milwaukee went up against Brooklyn and actually beat them in the playoffs. A different Brooklyn team, but Brooklyn with KD and you know, kind of well, what, here's, a, a hampered version of the rest of their roster. And 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 this year they they were openly trying to duck them. So I just think that's a really interesting way. I was gonna to say I wish we could uh instantly pull Bucks beat writer extraordinaire Eric Name on here to unpack his opinion of what the Bucks did yesterday, because it felt like it was maybe, and I don't want to sound naive, but it was maybe a little more nuanced than it might have appeared. First of all, the thought that I have is you you sit your guys on a night when Dallas chose not to, uh, and Luka Doncic ends up suffering an injury that might impact you know his playoff availability. That's disastrous for the Mavs. So you reach that point of the year where every game that even if it does mean one place different in the standings. If you size that up against the idea of losing somebody like Giannis Antetokounmpo because you played, uh, I'm going to pick falling in the standings just for health purposes. As it relates specifically to Brooklyn, you know, I thought there was a Boston component where they essentially, Eric had tweeted that they left it up to the Celtics was his conclusion. But I mean, so I don't, I don't know if it's totally fair to say they're running well, for the let's Hills. Just, from let the me end. ask you too. The Bucks, instead of playing potentially Brooklyn, are playing the Chicago Bulls. That's good. Yeah, but Slater, here's, we would here's all agree, how I, but we would all agree that's better for for the no. Bucks, here's right? how I would push back. They might wind up facing a, a Nets team with Ben Simmons finally getting comfortable and and having a tougher matchup potentially. But I think it's the smart play to 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 leave that off into the future. I guess, but if Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons, then you just let them kind of find themselves with a guy who you know is an All Star and, and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Sounds like plays. a column you're going to be writing when they're down 2-1. In the, Man, I need know, to write five columns today. There's too much going on. That All right, uh, let's dive into the next one here. Um, although I lost my way on the schedule. Well, what What's do we think time? about the matchup? We didn't like. We didn't even mention Cleveland. Like, uh, yeah, sorry. let's talk. Yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland <laughs> is really interesting. Wait, let's Y'all talk Cleveland because this, this is interesting. Cleveland totally fell off because they lose Jared Allen and they lose Evan Mobley. And Really, the number one reason, if we're ranking reasons that Cleveland got off to such a good start, is because their defense was so good. Specifically, their backline defense was so good. Like Mobley and Allen, when those guys were on the floor together, Cleveland gives up 103.7 points per 100 possessions, which for reference would be by far the best defensive rating in the NBA. That's better than Boston's. It's better than Golden State's. It's better than anyone's. Mobley is back. He's looked good in his two games that he's played since coming back. And and Allen, it sounds like he's not going to give it a go in the in the Brooklyn game on Tuesday, but he might be back for a first round series. Like Cleveland, or maybe is, you know, if they lose, they have a, they have the backdrop of you know they play the winner of Hornets right, Hawks for sure. And if Cleveland is tough, like they could win. It's one game. Yeah, Garland no, is sure. excellent as well. I mean, he's really become a hell of a point guard. They they could. Uh, this they played. 
like a few games ago. And this it, that game basically decided who would have home court. And Brooklyn won. KD had pretty easy, efficient 36. Um, all five net starters and double figures. Uh, like, as we've mentioned, Brooklyn is exploitable. Um, but Garland had 31 that night. Karis LeVert, um, you know, he, he can maybe give you, you know, if he gets hot, maybe they, they, they stay in the game. But when it mattered down the stretch, fourth quarter, Brooklyn outscored the Cavs in the fourth, 35-19. To me, it's just experience. And I, I just, you can feel, even watching that Pacers game yesterday, I think Brooklyn's going to toy around probably more than they need to. But when it matters against underwhelming teams like Cleveland at this point, considering their injury, I just think Durant will drag them past the finish line. You may be right. That's probably correct. They, you know, they end on a four game winning streak, but man, before that, I mean, with KD on the floor, you're talking, they lose, was that four out of six recently? Um, They're just not reliable. Uh, Maybe it does all change. I mean, they losing to the Bucks in overtime, losing to the Hawks, losing to the Hornets. The Grizzlies, so I mean, good teams, but we shall see. Uh, it would be something to see. Seth the Curry's availability is important. Does he play or not? Yeah, he looked you know? bad the other night. He tried to play through it, and he was out there on one leg, basically. Yeah. So I mean, not just even for the seven and eight game, but he like they need him. Right. right I mean, right. they need they need him so bad. They, everyone has talked this season about Kyrie not being there, obviously, and about the Harden stuff, obviously, but no Joe Harris. Man, that Joe Harris is so important for them. And Harris being hurt for the entire season has completely changed their offensive dynamic. And and Seth Curry was kind of supposed to bring in what the Harris can do just as a shooter and he can run low pick and roll and all that. And just not having the the real Seth Curry, who is an excellent role player, it, that would really hurt them. Would really hurt them. Are we moving on to uh nine ten Hornets. We Hawks? are, yeah. Slater, you're gonna take the lead. I will say as a final thought on Nets, Cavs, uh, this, you could do a whole podcast on this. I mean, if you told me that Simmons wasn't going to play to this point, you know, that one of the what ifs for me is crunchy, though it might have been between James Harden and, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving based on the personal dynamics. It is wild to, to think that, you know, if the Nets would have just stood pat and, and tried to get James right and still have James Harden as part of this team, then, you know, we'd see what they could do, but, uh, we will never know. All right. Clippers, T-Wolves, Slater, West Coaster, extraordinaire. Um, my mind immediately goes to what you already kind of alluded to. I, I don't know the latest on Kawhi Leonard and the remote possibility. I don't think he's going to be available for playing. No, um, no, no. Yeah. But, you know, that's looming. And then you've got Minnesota. I, I'm legitimately excited to see how they comport themselves on this stage because Anthony Edwards has reminded us the other night how special he is. Carl Anthony Towns. Is I think got to be on everybody's All NBA ballot somewhere. Um, Patrick Beverly was a bit of a culture kind of lifter with their group, with a defensive mentality. So it, even without Kawhi and with Paul George back, I think this is going to be a, a kind of a scrappy, dirty, fun game. My fir- first thing my mind goes to is like how are, how are Memphis and Phoenix watching this game? Who are they rooting for? What Matt? You know, because like, and we probably could have talked about it out east. With it's always we. It's weird now with this playing where it cre- you end the regular season and the one two seeds don't know who they're playing yet. Whereas you know, I can already. I'd spent all morning breaking down Warriors Nuggets, but uh, if you're sitting there as the Grizzlies, you know who do you want? Uh, I, you could. Uh, I think you probably want Minnesota. You probably want the home team to win because uh, you know Ty Lue, 
Paul George is back. Norman Powell is now back. Those are two offensive forces around what I think is already kind of a scrappy veteran experienced playoff team. Ty Lue is great in a playoff series. Um, I didn't want to immediately go to, you know, who does the winner get and, and who should those top level. But but as we talk about long term, how this matters most in like the, the bigger picture playoffs, what do you like? Who, who should Memphis want to win this game? I, I would not want to play the Clippers. I'll tell you that much. I mean, they're Paul George is back. He's shooting the hell out of the ball since he returned. Shooting better than 50% from three, I think, since he came back from his injury. They are rolling right now. I know this is all late season crap and all they of that. They crushed the thunder by 50. <laughs> but it's not even that. They win. five in a row what to close no, the season. All They rested basically their whole team against Milwaukee. And Robert Covington goes for 11 threes in that game last week. Uh, their their role players are playing extraordinarily well. The offense is rolling. Uh, I just and look if if you want to argue with me that Ty Lue is the best postseason coach in the NBA, like I, I have no problem with that argument. The guy consistently makes these extraordinary adjustments, whether it's rotational, whether it's schematic across series. And we've seen it time after time after time, most notably and most recently with that Utah series last year uh, when when they they find Terrence Mann going off and and they they just start to run their offense with all that spread pick and roll attacking Utah's uh, you know perimeter defenders and and they are so well coached. And I just have so much faith that if they get into the playoffs, he will find ways to exploit whoever he's playing's weaknesses and their experience too. I mean, I think that's a legitimately it's a legitimately good team even without Paul George. So, this is what makes the play-in different though, where like last season, Ty Lue by like middle of each series had found an adjustment that turned the series, right? They're down 2-0 to Utah. He finds it. They're, even the Phoenix series, they didn't end up winning it, but he found some stuff within it uh, because he's very good game-to-game adjusting and, 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 and attacking weak spots of the other team or wearing down a star. He used to always love to throw Steph Curry, you know, in as much action as possible, believing by later in the series, Steph would be tired. But the play-in is not, you know, about game-to-game adjustments, film work you know switching cities it is one game it is in minnesota um and the timberwolves have had a great season i can imagine you know reading enough john krasinski this season that's going to be an electric environment uh because minnesota has been waiting for this type of game it seems like they've somewhat fallen in love with this young core anthony edwards i'm sure is going to be fired up towns has had a great season they're really difficult to defend um and they've been better than the clippers over the course of the season I don't even know what the Vegas line is. It's probably like a round to pick them, but what do you guys think about this particular matchup in a one-game set? I, I Everything I, you said, Lance, I mean, the um, the Minnesota environment component is big, and this is going into the Wayback Machine, but I've been in that building way, way, way back when the folks were really excited. In fact, the first playoff, I think the first playoff series I ever covered was in Minnesota against the Kings. Um, you know, with Kevin the Garnett's. land before time when dinosaurs roamed the earth know. and the Kings played. I guess that makes me a dinosaur. Games. But yeah, like, you know, I think I've told the story on the pod before, but watching, you know, Chris Weber's three pointer from the right wing rim out, um, I think of game seven to, to, you know, let the Timberwolves advance. So that place has a passionate fan base and they've survived 
the Ricky Rubio years and, you know, and the David Kahn years and, and everything. Although poor Ricky, I just put him in exactly the same sentence with David. That was a little rough, but like a lot of disparity uh, or a lot of, you know, desperation out there. Wrong word choice, but it'll be fun. And I think I'd be surprised if Minnesota doesn't meet the moment, take care of this Clippers team, but the Clippers can get hot, you know, with Paul being back. It's interesting too, because I haven't looked at the, the splits recently, but Reggie Jackson without Paul would have those nights where, where, you know, it might feel counterintuitive, but like Reggie could win you a ball game. And, you know, with Paul back, obviously that, uh, that, you know, usage aspect of that changes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think both of these teams, maybe more than in the East, um, ha- have a, a safer landing spot in the second playing game. You know, if they lose, they get the winner of Pelican Spurs and Pelican Spurs, you know, were way under 500. Although, you know, if, if the Pelicans do win that the way McCollum's playing, they've been playing like a better team lately. But it, it's just to me, there's not as much pressure as like if let's say the Cavaliers lose to the Nets, I could definitely like if Cavs play the Hawks, I'd probably pick the Hawks, to be honest. We can get to those matchups though. Yep. So the 9-10 breakdown here uh as we move to Wednesday. And before we do that, let's actually squeeze in our second break. On the other side, we will talk about Hornets and Hawks against Spurs and Pelicans, the second round of play in action coming up next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, gentlemen. So the squads that have got to win twice to get in uh, are coming at you on Wednesday. And uh, we will start with Hornets Hawks. Gordon Hayward out for this game. Uh, He's been out for the most part since I think January 23rd. Uh, Hornets playing roughly 500 basketball since then. LaMelo Ball. I looked this up yesterday. One of six players since late January to average 21 points, seven assists, and five rebounds with a pretty elite group uh, hitting those kinds of marks. So, but they just, they, they are thin without Gordon, uh, who's, you know, four year, $120 million deal signed a couple off seasons ago is, is looking pretty rough at the moment, given the continuity you know, the physical problems that he's had. But Trey Young is coming at you as a guy 
who I also think is all NBA worthy and who, uh, while the Hawks have been a disappointment this year, uh, I don't think Trey has. So how do you guys see this game? I think that, you know, uh, the Hawks probably have the most on the line of these eight teams. I just, I think changes could be coming to that roster beyond Trey Young if they don't get through this play-in um, because probably unrealistic expectations were, you know, kind of uh, heaped onto them after they made the East finals last year and almost actually got through the East, which is like crazy to think about now. Uh, and it just, it felt like there's been a lot of moments over the last couple of seasons with they, you know, even one when they ended up firing Lloyd Pierce and hiring Nate McMillan, where they've almost sh- shaken up the core, and I just feel like because the play-in has allowed them to to have a enough of a landing spot this season out east, where they knew they were going to at least get a couple cracks at it. They didn't make any big changes, but I you know I'd flip this over to you, Sam. But like, do you get the sense that like you know the Hawks could be a real like shake it up type team this summer if if this is their final week if they lose one of these two games? Yeah, I do, because one of the only things um, going for them is that even if a lot of the money that they gave out last offseason isn't working for them in this context, for the most part, the contracts they gave out are movable. And I think Travis Schlenk, I mean, he was pretty candid. Shoot, it was in the first half of the season. You know, their GM obviously talking about the idea that – I forget how he phrased it, but but you don't often hear GMs publicly say – you know, maybe I gave out money to the wrong guys, you know, and, and I don't mean to be too loose with the paraphrasing there, but that was the message that, you know, he had some buyer's remorse in terms of some of the talent that they counted on in the previous offseason. So, you know, who does that mean? You've had the John Collins, Clint Capella dynamic there that, that I, pr- I think has to get reexamined. Uh, you know, Bogdan, Bogdanovich didn't play, you know, like he had the year before. Um, so there are movable parts. And, and I think that in terms of expectations, ownership, uh, things of that nature, uh, they, they want this team to contend for the title in the East. So I think, you know, it would not shock me to see him shake it up. Yeah. And Sam, you mentioned ownership, taking that a step further at, at the end of last season, I remember ownership did a press conference and, and talked about, Hey, you know, we're not necessarily talking about being candid and said, you know, we're, we're not, and I'm going to paraphrase, we're not going to be able to keep every single one of these young guys. Eventually the roster is going to get too expensive and and not everybody is going to stay. Uh, and I appreciated the honesty when, when they talked about that, uh, they could do something. It's not just those guys. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is somebody who who I think is kind of stagnated in his third year. I still like his potential. They already a lot. flipped the reddish piece, right? They already flipped reddish. I mean, that was as much to do with Cam Reddish wanting to be flipped as it was about anything else. Uh, you know, Herder they signed to an extension uh, that I think is move very movable last year and is going to kick in next season. Uh, so, like you said, they've got movable pieces. This game is going to be honestly has the potential to be unbelievably fun. Two sure, of the yeah. best offenses. Trey Young, Lamella Ball. Yeah, I was just gonna Two. say that, Fred, to set to set you up. It's the second best offense in the league, Atlanta, which I can't believe they finished the season two in offense and the eighth best offense. People don't realize with the Hornets, but also the Hawks have the fifth worst defense and the Hornets have the eighth worst defense. So horrible defenses, great offenses. Go ahead. Could be a million to a million and one. Two insanely dynamic point guards going head to head. Uh, Lamelo is um and, and and it's not just that they score, 
Like there, there are offense, you know, you mentioned like offensive efficiency and there are offenses that are, that play slow when they slice you apart and they're really good. And it's like, you know, like Phoenix, excellent offense, but they play slow and they slice you apart. And Chris Paul just runs pick and rolls and he just beats you with a million paper cuts. And then he finds the, you know, he finds like Aiton for a layup and that's their offense. And it's effective, but it's not the most exciting thing in basketball history. These guys play fast. Charlotte gets on the break. You've got Bridges throwing down dunks. You've got John Collins throwing down dunks. Uh, I, I I feel like this is like a really, really fun matchup from a basketball aesthetic standpoint. In front of an Atlanta crowd that historically just kind of loves highlights, right? They're just like, you know, just toss the alley-oops. I feel like even if LaMelo does like a through the leg, they'll be like, eh, whatever, let's cheer for that one too. That was kind of and cool. And in front of Eric Collins, the Hornets bombastic broadcaster i do they i don't know that they get the game sadly i don't know that the local broadcast gets i think the local broadcast gets well i think it's simul i think the play in the simulcast i could be wrong i hope i'm wrong because eric collins calling a lomelo ball to miles bridges alley-oop in a postseason game is everything that the world needs it's just all anybody needs to be happy agreed uh fun fact on the hawks front and this is my terrible reach of an attempt at humor. Jamie Gertz, the wife of Hawks owner, Tony Ressler, uh, once starred in the cult classic, The Lost Boys and the Hawks should not be reenacting Lost Boys 2, maybe? Uh, oh, damn it. I didn't land it. <laughs> uh, yeah, choose, I tried uh, Slater. That was what, my- what, what you could really say is uh, hopefully they won't get wiped up in a twister. Was well, she Jamie, twister? No, she was not Twister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there right. Lost Boys, one of my favorites. All right. Um, last but not least, the, the Spurs here, Greg Popovich, the great, you know, all-time winningest coach in NBA history, uh, deserves that respect. That, you know, he talked the other day, Pop did about he was asked, I believe, by Tim McMahon of ESPN, uh, why he they and they, you know, he and they chose as a an organization not to go full on tank at the end here and, and win games and get into the play-in tournament. DeJounte Murray had a great year. Um, you know, paraphrasing Pop, essentially that it's just not in his blood and, and he didn't figure out how, from an execution standpoint in the locker room to go to his players and say, all right, fellas, you know, here's what we're going to do. Give me 60% effort that he just, it got to a point where it was uncomfortable and he said, we just got to play. So here they are uh, against these Pelicans who have a different kind of story. They start three and 16. Folks are, you know, understandably at the time, you know, they're kind of going for Dave Griffin's head in the media talking about, you know, pretty rough stories about the way uh, the Pelicans lay of the land was out there. It was messy. J.J. Redick had a lot to say, former Pelican, you know, talking about the culture and Zion Williamson and um, negative, negative, negative. And then let's give some love to Willie Green, man. He gets these guys in the right direction. They make the C.J. McCollum trade that has worked well and they look Dangerous enough to beat a team like the Spurs, I think, and and maybe uh, try to sneak their way in. What do you guys think there? They've uh, Herb Jones is probably going to make all rookie team, and he's was a second round pick. Meanwhile, they're well, all defense, man. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's possible. Uh, and you know, their first round pick Trey Murphy had was kind of like fringe of the rotation. He, Jose Alvarado has had a great season. That's a, that's a fine. You know, David Griffin has had some. 
gem finds in the margins, even though some of the bigger picture stuff with the franchise obviously hasn't gone terrifically, particularly the Zion situation. Uh, And then the C.J. McCollum trade really seemed to provide a stabilizing veteran force and an extra score that they really needed. And they, as I mentioned earlier, like the records tell you that these are two kind of lost teams that just kind of backed into the play-in and just are ready to kind of just get, uh, I guess, uh, extinguished from their season. But the Pelicans are a little bit friskier than the record might indicate. Uh, If they can beat the Spurs, they could be more dangerous than you might realize against a Clippers team in LA or against a Timberwolves team in Minnesota. I mean, the Pelicans got off to an awful start. Uh, They were, they were one in whatever the heck they were and they didn't have Brandon Ingram. And Ingram is a guy who's really flown under the radar this year. My God, he's gotten good. Like he has become such an excellent passer. Uh, You know, when he went to New Orleans, he really flourished as a scorer. And and I think he's always had potential as a passer and been solid. But he's really become one of the best passing and facilitating wings in the entire league now. And that's been a huge part of their offense. And pairing him next to McCollum, I think, has been I think it's been a really good fit for them. When Ingram plays, they're they're over 500. Like they're 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 a good competitive team when Ingram plays. Like I would expect them, especially with the way they've played since the McCollum trade, to to win this game. They should be the favorites. They are, and they should be. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it should be fun. I mean, it's interesting too. We can maybe kind of go down this road as a, a final little segment here, guys. Uh, the way that the league built the play-in games in the context of the schedule, uh, it, it served two purposes. Not only is it the anti-tanking measure, but it, it is a kind of an olive branch to the players after years of negotiations where the players were asking for more time uh, or breaks in the schedule. And I'm talking about the teams that are not in the play-in. All the other playoff teams, the, the part that I love is that, you know, that one through six in each conference, they're going to come in fresh. and Honestly, for me, um, I never learned more about like how important that is and what that looks like than if you go back to the bubble. You guys remember like, and this wasn't even something you had to study the numbers on, but even the eyeball test that the idea that these teams in the bubble were not getting on planes, not exhausted, not just absolutely pushing their bodies to the limits, you know, throughout the course of the whole playoffs, bared out in the quality of play and just the competition. And it was fun to watch and it was at a really high level. This is not going to be that, but I think having an entire week to take a deep breath, you know, scouting wise, I love that aspect of it. These teams are going to be digging in, you know, they should be anyway, all the way throughout the organization, figuring out matchups, strategies, plan A, plan B, plan C, and then just body wise, uh, having time to hit the reset button. And uh, I think that's going to make the entire thing more fun to watch. Do I get credit, by the way? for talking about a Spurs Pelicans play in game and not at all mentioning that we get to see Yaka Pirtle in the postseason. <laughs> Do I get like bonus points for that? You don't get credit. You Who's who is that? Yaka Pirtle. You should be ridiculed by the, the Pirtle fan club that thought you were their their king. Right. That's say, true. I am who has I, a word game. Yeah. I am I I, I am their king. It's gonna be a it, look we're all deprived of the potential moment when Zion Williamson could be meeting Jakob Pertl at the rim. The unstoppable force versus the immovable Well, he's going to get some Jonas Valachunas, so it's not going to be an uninteresting clash of just, you know, mountains down there. The Pelicans, by the way, since November 24th, it's not world-beating, 
But when we're talking about a nine versus 10 playing game, since November 24th, which is really when around when Ingram came back uh, after their three and 16 start, they're 33 and 30. They're top half of the league in offense and their top half of the league in defense. And they have a, they're outscoring opponents by 1.6 points per hundred possessions. They're not, it's not world beating. It's not, it's not going to win your first round playoff series, but that's a, that's a nice, solid competitive team, which, you know, is it, is, is a really good turnaround. Like I always think it's, it's cool when a team gets off to a start, like they did one in 12 and, and three and 16 and, like Willie Green keeps them fighting, and and they actually legitimately turn and, it around. And Zion has showed back up. He's apparently playing five on five. We don't expect him to like us play in these playing games, but man, it does feel like a healthier environment around the Pelicans than if you were outside looking in a couple of months ago when Zion has disappeared. You know that you feel like David Griffin's job status is in a tenuous situation, and you don't know what they're building at all. It does feel like they're at least maybe forming a foundation to welcome Zion back next season. Well, guys, fittingly, uh, I'm going to quote Joe Myers, the famous Pelicans play-by-play man, who was quoting Anthony Davis. That's all, folks. Uh, I think that's all I got from here. Uh, the the Lakers are not part of this. You're shaking your head at me. I'm I liked it. I actually yeah. I appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no Lakers in the play. And Anthony Davis, who obviously forced his way out of New Orleans, wore the "That's All Folks" T-shirt. He is home. Look, if only Kendrick to, Nunn had been healthy. If only they'd been healthy, they'd be winning oh, the title. All right. As we're on the pod right now, I'm looking at tweets from Rob Palenka highlighting the training staff as one of the reasons that the Lakers faltered this season. To me, that's a little out of pocket. Okay, um, you wow. know what? Hold on, hold on. LeBron James, Third, Russell Westbrook, Anthony folks. Davis. <laughs> LeBron James, you just said that. That that immediately set a fire in me. Fred. This whole thing about the Lakers with if they just, oh, if they only stay healthy, it's it's propaganda. It's it's ridiculous. What it's propaganda Le- in the NBA? Le- LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis on the floor together. In order for that team to be good, that team was constructed so that Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis on the floor together, they can't just be okay. They're supposed to dominate because the minutes that those guys aren't on the floor together, they're just not going to be as good. That's the roster construction of that team. Those three guys on the floor together, over 21 games, they got outscored with those guys on the floor together by 3.5 points per 100 possessions. Come on. Come on. They they got outscored with their three stars on the floor. If only played together, they would have been a minus 3.5 net rating team with nah, those guys Fred, on. You just and don't, with them Fred, on. you just don't see the ultimate vision, all right? They would be going for their third straight title if Davidson get hurt in the Phoenix series and if Kendrick Nunn and everyone was around this year. You just, you're just you not seeing it, Fred. Stop with it your little numbers game. Hater. This is about God, stars in L.A., all right? It it is not because of injuries. I'm not arguing injuries. That's exactly right, Sam. Injuries did not help. Boot him from the Zoom, Sam. This is getting outrageous. <laughs> injuries didn't help. I'm but denying it is not because request. of injuries. It did not work. It didn't. The basketball didn't work. Well, we'll, we'll never know, will we, Fred? We'll never know. <laughs> we know. We saw it. We saw the 49 losses. We might fully know. Aware. Russ might be back, and we'll we'll get to see it all over again. <laughs> All right. That's all, folks. I'm calling it. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm going to keep it moving on a busy day. Thanks, as always, to the listeners. And uh, Fred, I don't know what you're doing with your time, but Slater, I will see you soon. 
on the you, playoff. You going we'll Warriors Nuggets game one Saturday uh, night? Yeah, I'll be there. Shout out to the NBA for giving us a 5:30 West Coast tip off. I'm good. I with have that. a huge Warriors Nuggets series preview coming out today, so anybody that's interested, read it on the Athletic. It is so a- all of you listeners who made it to minute 51, make sure you go yeah. read Slater's piece. I will probably have something coming today. We had the news on the Kings and Lakers. Beyond that, we are still making the rounds. Fred, shameless promotion time. What do you got? Uh, I'll be watching Yaka Purtle highlight videos. So if you Yaka. want to, I'm going to be hosting it at the local Purtle Purtle bar. So come on. You should by. write a preview. that's all about Purtle and like how he can just completely affect the Western Commerce <laughs> playoff race. Oh, that's uh, on, that's in the works. Oh, great. Purtle's in the same genre. Of, I feel like Kofefe. I don't know why that just crossed my mind. But gentlemen, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time.